0: Welcome to Live Your Own Fit, Episode 4, where I give you my opinions on the best practices for aerobic adaptations to allow greater health and performance at any level. Training with the correct mindset is crucial. I talked about that in Episode 3, Mindset Love and the Nervous System, and that was a major part of your limiting factors of your physical performance. But training with the correct physical adaptations in mind is also crucial. That makes it the other major limiting factor of your body, body on race day and, well, in training and any day. So you wouldn't train like Usain Bolt if you were running a marathon. And you wouldn't be a rock climber if you did massive reps to tear your muscles apart in the gym and got really big muscles everywhere. And so it goes, you wouldn't want to be a better endurance athlete, if you were uh, meaning you were a better fat burner, if you constantly ate sugars with every breath, flooding your system and forcing sugar to burn constantly instead of fat. So have in mind what you want to train for, what you want your body to be at the end of your training period or day-to-day health, as uh, I'll dig into as well. What you do in training is what your body's going to be doing the other 24 hours of the day as well, if you've only trained less than an hour. Aerobic capacity is crucial to every sport, but what does that mean? Well, I'm going to explain it from my perspective, from what I've learned from Dr. Phil Maffetone and his Maximum Aerobic Function formula, and his ideal form of health from his many books on health and performance, and from speaking to him over the last couple of years as well. So, I'll cover what does math mean, maximum aerobic function. That's what that means. Um, What is the formula? The formula is 180 minus your age. So that means whatever age you are, your Peak spot to train at your, to get the most aerobic adaptations without going too hard and become too much of a sugar burner or to be stressing your body out and producing other hormones that'll block the fat burning. You want to be at that 180 minus your age. Math training. Well, that basically means everything that you do, you do at 180 minus your age. So everything that you do is aerobic. This means that you are burning fat for fuel, not sugars for fuel. So that means you don't want to be putting sugars into your body all the time, and you want to make sure that you are putting in enough fat when it's needed some good calories and good cellular strength and form for your cells. Math tests, well, that's pretty easy. It's pretty standard for runners. You would go out and do a 5K loop. That is the same loop. You can replicate it very easily. It's very flat. You warm up to your math heart rate and then once you're at your math heart rate, get to that starting point and then start your watch and stick to that same heart rate and over time, over weeks, months, that's pace, the time for that total 5K or it could be 4K, it could be 2K, whatever your body's up for and you could do it on a bike as well as long as you can really replicate the conditions or perhaps on a stationary bike is best. You need to be able to replicate it so that there aren't any other influences uh, on your heart rate, major ones such as wind, temperatures, hills, um, other factors that disrupt that constant uh, pace and heart rate. So so over time, you should get much, much faster at the same heart rate. That's when you know you're getting fat adapted. When you're getting your maximum aerobic function is increasing. So you're starting to have a really healthy system. If you're not improving at your math test, and I'll talk about my experiences with that a little later, then there's a bit of a a roadblock in your health because if you can't improve your aerobic function, then something else is amiss. So I'll also get to a few questions later on about math. I'll do those at the end and a little bit about, uh, obviously, uh, what is ketosis? What is, uh, eating lots of fat and eating not many carbs? What's it like? My personal experiences and I'm still figuring it all out, but, uh, hey, it's a great journey and I've got a few, um, suggestions on, uh, what to, what to look for and how to go, go into it or how to lower your carbs, how to become a better fat burner is all we're trying to do here. We're not trying to do any extreme testing or extreme diets. It is just trying to get a bit healthier. Um, So your metabolic system gets healthier if you train aerobically because you start to burn a bit more fat during training and then you burn more fat when you're just sitting there, when you're sleeping, when you wake up. Your body actually kicks back into being able to burn fat so over many many years decades uh their body of constantly being fed these high glycemic foods of processed foods or high glycemic carbs glycemic loads your constant load therefore body just doesn't need to burn fat because it always has this excess of blood glucose so this excess is always then palm insulin is then put out To grab it all and store it and use it. So your body has literally forgotten how to burn fat. So by doing some really good math training, by changing your diet a little bit, by lowering carbs or certain times lowering carbs, then you can kick your body back into being able to burn fat. So it just is doing it all the time. It's not this insane, extreme type of training or regime or diet it is literally just getting your body back to burning two fuels which is what we evolved to do yes we evolved to use carbs and yes we evolved to use fat it's not one or the other but with this high load of sugars all the time of high load of carbs all the time many people's bodies have forgotten how to burn fat at all but it's a pretty simple thing to reverse. And it's pretty simple to therefore get your metabolic system and your muscles healthier. Blood flows better. You know, the, the muscles carry more blood. The tissues are healthier. The tendons, everything is healthy. You get less injuries. Everything is more balanced. The hormones are more balanced. So you just, everything just works better through this simple thing of lowering your carbs a little bit and sticking to 180 minus your age is your heart rate you're just telling your body, this is what I want you to do, please. I don't want to be stressed out and be burning sugars while I'm training. And I don't want to be training and I don't want to be eating sugars all the time, telling my body to never, ever burn fat and just burn sugars all the time. And we also need to take into account the biological structure of your cells and nutrition. So basically, if your cells are healthy, they're going to be able to perform better. Your body is going to absorb more stress. It's going to have a higher limit before it actually goes, hang on, we can't do this, we're cooked, we're dehydrated, or we haven't got enough energy. Like, you know, these little mitochondria, little engines in our body where if they're not functioning, if they're not firing well, and I certainly know what cells that aren't firing well feels like over all my years of having fatigue, which just... You, you can't move your body how you want it to move. You can't sprint. Even if there'd been a line coming at me, I would not have been able to sprint in my you know, toughest days. I just couldn't do it. And I tried doing it. I tried everything to try and get my body to work and it wouldn't fire. So think about that. You've got that as an extreme level of your cells being not healthy. So I was obviously exhausted from hormones and cell structure and all of those things were out of whack. So the biological structure is another huge limiting factor. It's the other part of the physical adaptations and biological structure that make up that other part of physical performance limitations. So it's incredibly important to have a good diet that feeds your cells um, and also if you need supplements then that might be something as well. So yes, I'm, I'm an ambassador for USANA and they are a very high quality product and I take their fish oil. Every day because of course I want those extra good oils in me, the EPA and DHA, and um eat plenty of good fish myself, sardines and salmon. Um, and also there's I eat a lot of organic grass fed meat. Um, but there's still room just to add a little top up. Um, and so yeah, I take a few extra supplements just of the vitamin kind. You also need to be thinking about what food you're putting in, in terms of if you're feeding your body a lot of very simple carbs, and I'm not just going to sit here and say, carbs are bad, no one should eat carbs, right? As, you know, as fun as that would be. <laughs> um, but you just need to think about it, that if you are eating something very, very simple, that is just full of sugar, maltodextrin, um, corn syrup, um, you know, high fructose corn syrup, things that aren't, they're, they're potentially they're the fuel if you're out training, and they may help you go a little bit further, perhaps. But if you're eating them day to day, that means you're not eating other things that actually have vitamins in there, that have things that make up cells, proteins and fats that create the cells, the mitochondria, is what it feeds on. If you're feeding your body this food that has no vitamin and mineral content whatsoever or macronutrient content other than that it's carbs which carbs are not a macro that's going to help provide healthy cells then you're missing out on so much uh cellular health so it's really important to not just think what is the damage that this sugar is doing to me which you know hormonally it's messing up your insulin it's messing up uh cortisol's and it's messing up um and then people having stimulants on top of that like caffeine caffeine's obviously it messes up your um melatonin so you don't get a good sleep which you you knock out one thing one hormone if you really mess with one hormone they're all going to start to get unbalanced they work in this beautiful cycle and the cycle's sort of either going in a nice happy positive circle or it's going backwards and everything's kind of going backwards and infecting one another. So think about what you're missing, not just the damage that you're doing because everybody wants to ignore the damage they're doing because they say, well, I can eat a whole heap of lollies and chocolates because I'm going to burn it off and just think of it as a calorie. Well, if you do that, fine, but then it's wrong for starters, but let's think about what you are missing, which is undeniable. The more you eat, like say you go to bed and you have a whole heap of ice cream just before bed. Well, you're getting a whole heap of sugar just before bed. You're getting ice cream. Some of you might even be grabbing a low fat ice cream and think about that. You're not even getting any good fats in that ice cream as well. So rather than having like, I would have a homemade mousse made with avocado, coconut cream, uh, raw cacao, a few strawberries. And that would be my dessert and coconut flakes and a bit of cinnamon, maybe like the the macro and micronutrient content in those two meals, whether it's ice cream or something that takes about two minutes longer to prepare is huge. It's a huge difference how much more beneficial the second homemade version is than the store bought one. So just think about what are you missing? What are my cells missing? Why am I getting injured? Why am I tired all the time? That could be one reason that your mitochondria and your cells are just literally not got what they need to be robust, to be solid, to be healthy, to be able to communicate with one another easily or the neurons like minerals and vitamins, like they, they are communicating to one another all the time as well as the hormones. There is so much going on in your body. That you want everything to be as balanced as possible. You don't want to be pushing it to the limit all the time, because then when that extra stress does come on race day, that's when you go, oh geez, I just can't fire today. And and scratch your head as to why can't I fire today? And sure, we've all done that over many years, but now I'm trying to figure out why. And I'm I'm slowly getting to the bottom of it. Why do we not fire when we want to be able to fire? And there's many factors for that. And part of it is this it is the physical adaptations that you've done on your body and it is the biological structure so the physical adaptations back to that let's talk about yes if you've trained too hard so overtraining could be the cause of why you haven't fired on race day so training too hard may not mean that you've done too many hours it may just mean that your heart rate has been too high for too many hours So stress from a high heart rate and high hormones that come with that increased intensity, that's why it's called intensity, because it's something that is intense. You are feeling a stress from it. That may be okay once in a while and in limited doses, but if you've let things get carried away, if you haven't been watching your heart rate, if if you've been watching it, but not sticking to a more aerobic heart rate when you should be, you may find yourself rather depleted. Because everything's been out of whack. One thing has been overused and then the body compensates for another thing. And it's the strength as well as the weakness of our body that it can compensate to the nth degree until everything falls apart. And it's fascinating. So you can train, train, train really, really hard, but then eventually something's just going to crack and you're going to think, oh, what was it? Was it just that last two runs that I did? Well, very unlikely that it was the last two runs that did it because your body does not react that quickly. It can compensate for a very long time to stress. It's over a long extended period of time that that stress becomes a problem and where you start to notice injuries, illnesses, fatigue, and so on. So that's why you want to make sure that you're a little bit aware of the the stress that you're putting on your body Throughout out an extended period, whether it be at work, whether you're not getting good sleep for a long time, whether it's in your training that you're doing these repeats that are too intense and it's the same day in, day out, and you're not doing any aerobic uh, function training. So you're not getting any aerobic adaptation. So your body, the rest of the time is burning sugar, which is a stress in itself because of the byproducts that it's producing all the time. Then you've got to clear out all of that and your body's craving more sugar. So you're going to eat more sugar. So it's this cycle. Everything is connected. You know, it's crazy. It could take hours and hours and hours to try and explain how everything's connected, but I'm going to try and stay on topic here and just stick to the physical adaptations and biological systems that uh, I'm trying to stick to on, on this podcast. So let's talk about one of my theories. Okay. I'm going to talk about, these are all theories because as, as right as someone may have proved them to be, I haven't I'm not you know, a researcher and a scientist or a doctor. and So everything that I'm saying is theory from coming from my mouth. So theory is, one of my theories, low levels of carbs are good when training. So let's talk about low levels of carbs. What are you trying to do in an Ironman? You are trying to increase what you can get out of your body with limited resources. So you want to become a better fat burner. You want to be more aerobic so you are more efficient, so that fatigue does not set in because obviously fat burning is less stress on your system. So your nervous system is getting less stress and you're going to be able to go for longer, further, harder if you have a really high aerobic system because you've trained your body to perform at a reasonable heart rate and an aerobic heart rate, but your muscles are now much faster. They're, they're, They're much fitter. So your muscles are now doing much more work at the same heart rate, but your system is not feeling the impact of doing anything harder. So that's what you want to achieve. You want to achieve that you, uh, you perceive that you are doing a less amount of work, but you are going much faster or the same amount of work, let's say, um, but you are going much, much faster. So aerobic adaptation, use a little bit of carbs in training, but don't overdo it. If you overdo it, you're going to produce too much insulin. You're going to have to have your gut, which is currently... Uh, the blood is currently not focused on your gut. It's currently focused on all your limbs and things to keep the blood flowing. Too much carbs in the gut um, can cause a problem while training and racing. And it's obvious that it, it it's a problem because this is the major reason why people don't finish an Ironman. That's the most often reason is that their guts got blocked up. And so what's happened? They've just taken on more carbs than they needed, more carbs than their body could process. So let's think, well, what do you do? Do you, in training, just eat more and more and more sugar constantly and load more and more in so that you're training your body to deal with it? You're training your body to deal with something that it doesn't want to deal with. So yes, the the stress and the training may get you better at digesting it, but it's not getting you better at burning it. It's not getting you better at burning fat. It's not getting you more aerobic. And then come race day, that little bit of stress for a lot of people, they go a little bit harder. They're uh, a little bit nervous. They're a little bit anxious. You've got all these extra hormones and all these extra uh, blood glucose that is just coming into your system just because of the excitement. That's happening. You don't have to even eat it to have extra blood glucose there because everything's just heightened. So, you on top of that, you add in um, extra carbs that you've done in training. And oh, well, surprise, surprise, your body can't handle that at this point. That extra load is one too many for it to deal with right now. And people get cramps, they vomit, they can't even ingest water. So then they become dehydrated. The flip side is what do you do? Well, you just train your body to have less, train aerobically, train using less sugars in training so that you are only ne- taking on the minimal amount required. And so on race day, there is never going to be a gut issue. It's crazy that it happens as often as it does, but that's marketing. That's the, you know, the um, nutrition companies' marketing that, yes, this is what you need to do. Well, let's look at what the body needs. The body doesn't really need anything. It can survive if you trained it to survive. So the best thing to do is head out. Maybe you know don't have that huge meal of carbs in the morning if you're training your body to be more fat adapted. If you're training your body to be more aerobic, a huge meal of carbs before you head out can um, produce a huge amount of insulin that is going to block the ability for you to burn fat. So it's a good idea to when you, if you're training early in the morning and I'm going to get into, I'll go down into this a little bit later, but this option of, if you want to become fat adapted, if you're training aerobically, head out with minimal breakfast or if you're a coffee drinker, have a coffee, but have a bit of perhaps MCT oil in there once you've become adapted or else you might find yourself on the loo. But if you've increased your fat intake and you're used to, your guts are used to fat, um, which is a, a crazy idea, isn't it? It's a crazy idea that most people's guts can no longer handle a good amount of fat because it's not something that people eat. Uh, you know, we've been told and taught and habitually think that it is not a good thing to eat. So our guts can't even handle it anymore. So that takes a little bit of time to get back into your system. But if you're thinking about calories, get your calories from fat, it's much higher in calories. Um, so You can have your fat and you're still getting calories. You're still giving your body a nice, safe signal. Yes, I've got calories. I'm not in starvation mode. I'm feeling really good. So I can still go and have a really good session. So you don't even need to have it in coffee. You can have it in a herbal tea, which is what I do most of the time. Little bit of MCT oil. Or if I have a black tea, I'll have um, coconut cream in with my black tea. Then head out um, ready. And so MCT oil. With a high fat breakfast, also helps increase the production of ketones, which is the byproduct, which is the fuel source of a fat adapted individual. So, ketones and ketosis, all right, let's just get into that a little bit. So, a fat adapted individual um, burns fat, and the fuel that that turns into for your body is called ketones, a bit like saying, oh, hey, um, I eat sugar, but my body is using glucose. So, same sort of thing. So, you have fat in your body, it gets burnt and produced ketones, and that's the fuel for your body. And you use both of these all the time. You don't have to have exclusively one or the other. If you're fat adapted, the body's always using ketones and the body's always using glucose. So, isn't that amazing? So, to think about it, if you become well fat adapted, that your body is used to producing ketones, will produce them more easily. So that there you have a second source of energy for your mind and body throughout the day, through racing, through training, and just through the day at work. It's amazing how much sharper you can feel just by having that extra source of ketones in your body. And they do sell them on the market and you can buy them so you get instant ketosis. You have instant ketones in your body. but then you're not really producing it through the natural processes. And it's a whole nother can of worms I know very little about. But hey, one theory would be it would be fascinating for me to come back, be in great shape and be testing whether taking that sort of ketones as a supplement that gives you instant ketones in your blood as extra fuel on race day. I mean, that would be really interesting to kind of, uh, play around with, but they're pretty expensive. So just stick to some good high fat foods. Then you're getting some good micronutrients as well. And a little splash of MC toy oil, if your, um, if your guts can handle it, then that gives you a really, that's actually the fastest absorbed fat, the medium chain triglycerides fats. So that's the fastest absorbed, which gives you the fastest naturally occurring, um, ketones in your body if you're fat adapted if you're having mct oil and you know you're also having it with a whole ton of um oats and bread and other things like that for breakfast, you know, it's, it's not really going to be a beneficial to you because then you're just having it with a whole heap of other fuel source and there'll be so much fuel that you won't produce, um, ketones anyway. And you're just having, wasting this, uh, fairly expensive and, and good beneficial MCT oil for as a, as a extra fuel source when you don't need it. Okay. Um, this is going to get a little confusing perhaps because now. It's energy. What what is energy? Um, I just mentioned it, and but what is it? it? It's hard to put your finger on it, and it's hard to explain it. I certainly can't explain it, but I'm just going to give a few theories and talk it through a little bit. So, what if energy is just a feeling, um, and that feeling is what our body is telling our brain, or our brain is telling our body? If you can get energy from food, but also just from seeing something that shocks you, or also from stimulants, or from placebos or from simply tasting sugar in your mouth and spitting it out, so you're not even ingesting it, but you get that perception of energy. And I guess you can also get energy through the power of the mind, through specific training. Then how can we best use these sources of energy to train ourselves for our specific task? Well, we're just trying to cover the bit about energy being fuel, being something that helps the physical adaptations and biological systems. Well, what are we trying to get out of it? Whatever your specific task involves or allows for, in terms of can you take extra fuel during it? Um, Are you going without fuel? Um, Are you going on a trek through the night? All of those sort of factors. What what do you need to guess bet through those detrimental impacts that are going to happen to your body? Those extra levels of stress. Just think about that and and work on those specific. Um, tasks that you need to perform and the, the limits to what you can do during it. So detrimental impacts could include too much of something leading to overstimulating aspects of your system. Just like too many leg presses will ruin your legs, too much of certain foods or stimulants will overuse the hormones and systems they fire up every time. And even if it's doing this at an unsustainable level, your body will compensate incredibly well to keep you feeling great long before that overstimulation shows up anywhere. It's like, so you don't feel that your legs are sore for a day maybe, maybe two days is when it's worse. Um, and you don't feel that the caffeine or feel that the lack of food or feel that too much food or too much sugar or too much beer or whatever it is, you, it, everything gets compensated and then we feel it later, later on. So your body, uh, just like our wild ancestors' bodies, um, and like many, like all wild animals, is not built to show up its weaknesses. It is built for survival. It can mask many small problems before a big problem is created from all of those little ones. So that's the strength and weaknesses of our body, um, its ability to compensate for stupid things that we do. Uh, it has many different systems to rely on and lean on and many systems to deplete from before those pathways cry out for a break to recoup as well, be it vitamins, minerals, hormones, um, which show up in aches, pains, injuries, illnesses, or any ailment you might imagine you have um, has a very long pathway from where it's originated through many other systems and each kept borrowing from the next until one of them can give no more and that's when you notice that something's not going right. So you want to train your body to be more aerobic, more fat adapted, less reliant on perceived energy from stimulants and sugar cravings and start to be specific in your training your body in a way that it also perceives to be safe and relaxed. As I spoke about in the last episode, a huge part of this combination is that your mindset is in the right place. So adaptation is real and your body biologically um, is in the best shape possible via a balanced and rested hormonal and nervous system and good cellular health, allowing you to produce energy. So you're producing energy and eating more sugar does not create more energy. Energy is only present when you release it through movement or as it stays as a fuel in the body and gets stored for later. Maybe one day someone can explain energy to us properly um, or let me know what you think. That'd be great. Um, I think the, the whole philosophical aspect of energy is is rather fascinating and fascinating. Um, It's part of that whole calories in versus calories out um, versus the hormonal system uh, actually balancing, you know, whether it's weight loss or not. Um, It's all part of that big uh, discussion. It's really interesting. But anyway, for me, energy just means that you actually, it's nothing until you release it. So eating a whole heap of sugar, that's not energy. Energy is being able to do something in movement. And perhaps at times when you're out there training hard, that little bit of energy, that little bit of sugar, sorry, is going to allow you to produce more energy. So another theory, does that mean eating more today means I'll store more energy for tomorrow? If I have a big session, does eating more the day before help me perform better the next day? Um, Well, that I can't tell you definitively. There are far too many parameters for each person and circumstances and different training types, but here's a couple of examples um, to express my theories. Having more fuel does not make you go faster. If that were the case, it would simply be the matter of who eats the most wins the race. I mean, that would be awesome. Then I could go back and win Hawaii and just eat tons and tons of simple sugars and go really fast. That'd be easy. Who wouldn't love that? I think we'd all love that but having fuel does not make you go faster since you can only use a certain amount of energy at any time. So in this scenario, imagine you're going out for more than 1 hour of intense training. Well, does having fuel, extra fuel the night before help you in that session? Well, basically unless you are going to an absolute depletion state. So unless you let's say you weren't fat adapted or you were training at a very intense level, as I said, and you were training you were you were training hard until you literally went hypoglycemic, until your body couldn't keep up with the production of glucose and ketones as fast as you were burning them. Then yeah, perhaps maybe eating a little bit more time before the night before might help you go a little bit longer. But then again, Who's doing that? Who's going out and just training to depletion? What would be the point? So what would be the point of ever having sort of that extra top-up, of that extra extra bit of as people have want to say often that they need to carb load? Because all you're doing is extra load on your hormonal system and here's my theory on um athletes getting sick before a race. They've trained really hard. Their hormones are always overloaded, um, you know, always high cortisol, always pumping out, you know, at that intense level. So their body has gotten adjusted to that level. Suddenly their training backs off a little bit, but they keep loading up tons and tons of high glycemic load food because that's what they're used to eating. And pre-race, that's generally what people do. And they're always having lots of sports drinks. So they're somewhat lowering the output of their nervous system. It's backed off a little bit, maybe. So things are a tiny bit different to what they're used to, even though it's a little bit safer um, nervous system place because these people are so used to being so amped up. But then they're increasing the load of the on their hormones by all this high glycemic food. So they're already really, really stressed because generally, you know, if they've trained really hard for months, um, their body's really fatigued. It's been compensating a long time, but they suddenly have this different routine. They're suddenly out of that just mindset of just train hard, wake, and they 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 habitually they were able to just focus on, even though there is high, high stress level that they were putting themselves through physically, mentally. They were perhaps. They were coping with it. They were telling their body. They were overriding that by just being so focused on this singular goal that their nervous system had somewhat of a a balancing out effect that they were able to block it out. But race day, race week's different. Race week's very different. You're less training. You're starting to think about the race more. It's not just about get up, train, sleep. Um, As I said, the food may have changed a little bit as well. So that's an extra little bit of stress. Perhaps it's not even that it's extra food. Perhaps it's just slightly different food because they're in a different country. Perhaps it's just that they're having that extra sports drink that they had that they wouldn't normally have a couple of times a day. That load could be enough on a body that is just hanging in there by a thread that's been working for them for months, but because they've cooked it on every other level, physically, they've just pushed it to the limit and it's been compensating. Everything's kind of burnt out, but just hanging in there then that extra little bit of stress, whether it be nerves, whether it be extra um, sports drink, whether it be extra food that they're trying to carb load with, that suddenly is too much stress for their body because that stress, that extra food, whatever it is, that extra stress has a hormonal impact on their body and suddenly it throws it out. And perhaps it's because their training has backed off that tiny bit, which they need it to, to freshen up a little bit, but at the same time, because they've been pushing so hard, it's that little bit of a risk changing their routine. An athlete like myself, I always trained less than the other guys. I would go into a race. I would run twice in the week before the race. A week out, I'd run about 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Uh, Midweek, I would run maybe 25 minutes um, 30 minutes. And then I'd run about five minutes or not even, and just do some drills and stuff in the, um, couple of days before or the day before. So I, 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 my body just needed the rest. It always did. Obviously that's why I've got the issues, but it's still so a really great way to train and put your body in a safe place when you're training so that you can really rest up for race day. But that's why you'll find that the people that train the hardest also have the the hardest taper. They still do a lot in their taper. And that kind of makes sense that they they need to because otherwise it's too much of a shock for their body if they just stopped what they were doing and backed off and did as much as I did. Whereas if I did what they did in a taper, it would probably be one of my biggest weeks of training. I'd go into the race cooked. Okay, so back to that's one scenario. If you're going to depletion, maybe having a little bit more, a day before helps you a tiny bit. But most people, pretty much everybody, you can take fuel on your journey. Therefore, you can top up your blood glucose levels at any time and you'll never run out. So unless you're training very, very intensely all the time, like really, really intense for hours and hours and hours, which not many people are ever doing, you know, not most of you guys are going to be doing that. So most of you guys, hopefully listening to this, you're into health, you're into performance, and you're, into, you're going to be into doing it at a safer level, at an aerobic level to produce good aerobic outcomes that give you great health and great performance through starting to burn fat, through greater blood flow, through less injuries, through a better hormonal system, through better biological status, through a better physical adaptation and metabolic health. Right. So that'll just cover everyone, hopefully. So most people, you can take a little bit of fuel on your ride. So let's say you have a little, you have a nice fatty breakfast in the morning, um, or none at all, and you head out, and you're training aerobically. I would just take a really diluted uh, solution of honey in water with a little bit of salt. That's my sports drinks these days. That's what I would train with, um, as per Phil Maffetone's recommendations. It is, it's around or just under. Quarter cup of honey to a bottle, so that's pretty much around your six to eight percent or seven percent, right there in the middle, of carbs to fluid, carbs to water, which is the perfect solution for rehydration, for absorbing carbohydrates, for not being too strong, um, upsetting your gut, and then you add a little bit of salt, and you know, good Celtic Celtic sea salt or um, Himalayan, if that's what you prefer. Then you're getting some. Salt in there for um, your electrolytes, also, and that little bit helps absorption a little bit. But that's all you need. So having extra is not going to help you in a scenario like that, which is ninety nine point nine percent of you, because you can always add in more. And on race day, you can always add in more. So don't add the extra stress the day before by trying to add in heaps and heaps of extra food. Don't not eat your carb. Uh, don't not eat your protein and not eat your fats the day before. I mean, most people are probably going to go, oh, well, I'll just eat a little bit less or I'll just eat plain white rice. You're totally throwing out your hormonal system. You're also restricting your body's perception of safety. So, you know, your body is going to notice that you're eating proteins and fats and proteins. Obviously, we're made of proteins and our bodies love protein and fat, which is really high in calories. And that gives your body that sense of, hey, we're really safe. We're getting really good food as well. So protein and fat will keep your body more stable. It will help slow the absorption of the carbs that you eat with it. So it's not such a high glycemic load on your body. So fats and protein with those carbs, but some people, just carbs, much suddenly a much higher glycemic load on their um, blood glucose. And then potentially they're not going to fire as well on race day because their body's had a little bit of extra stress the day before. Think about what is causing your body stress. How do I minimize it? Well, you minimize it through being nice, nicer to your blood glucose, nicer to your hormones, nicer to your cells by giving them the macronutrients and the micronutrients that they need. But let's say the day before a race, micronutrients not tr- crucial. You, you should have been eating well all the time, and you're not suddenly gonna you know have really low micronutrients, vitamins, and minerals in one day. But keep in mind that that's what you need to be doing every day leading up to the race. So your biological systems on race day have what they need and you can push your body incredibly hard on race day because your body will just give. It'll have everything that it needs to keep giving. It's not going to suddenly go, oh my God, I've run out of this, I've run out of that. You're going to be able to push really hard and your body will keep pushing as long as it perceives to be relatively safe and you haven't overextended yourself for an overextended period of time. Um, so you can take fuel on your journey, then you're fine and you're all good. Um, will eating more carbs help performance? And let's imagine a fat-adapted tri- tri- triathlete or athlete going out to train aerobically the day after another long aerobic session. Uh, my theory is that if the calories Uh, in quality fat and protein are high enough to allow the body to feel safe and plentiful then the level of carbs will not affect the session because the session is burning mostly fat anyway um And eating protein, you're going to restore blood glucose through proteins that you eat as well anyway. And so you're always going to be eating some amount of carbs, enough to keep you, um, you know, fueled again. But it's a, yes, I do think you want to have enough calories. You do want to have enough calories so that your body perceives to be safe. Limiting calories while training hard, maybe that's too much of a stress on the body. So make sure that you're always eating enough calories wherever they're from. And obviously I'm recommending that you get a lot of them from protein and fat. But wherever they're coming from, make sure that you're giving that, your body that perception that it is in a safe place with plentiful food and therefore it'll give you what it needs. But if you're getting the more carbs, have less of the micronutrients. So over time, vitamins, minerals may become lower over time, increase the stress, lower that robustness of your cells. So keep them feeling safe and you, you're going to have the great mindset for choosing food. That's it. Giving them what they need over time. So they're never going to become, um, reliant on another cell or another, uh, muscle or a bone or wherever it is that it's going to leach other minerals and proteins and, um, uh, vitamins out of to compensate for it. Um, so theory continues here that if the fat-burning athlete is wanting to train to become uh, fat-burning, had a sugary breakfast before training, they'll produce a lot of insulin and block the conversion of fat to energy, therefore potentially feeling a low of energy later on as a high output of insulin works to clear the bloodstream of glucose. So that's pretty obvious. Um, and, the, and the session that you're doing as well as food, it's affected by the nervous system effort of the day before. So that's where I was talking about. Make sure you get enough calories the day before so your nervous system's nice and calm. Make sure you go to bed without having stared at your phone for hours and done something that's going to waken you up. Do something that helps produce melatonin, which is not TVs and phones and things like that. So you're getting good quality sleep. Um, So just adding up all these different stresses in your life think about which ones you can minimize, which ones you need to minimize, and which ones that you're happy to push a little bit the limit of and uh, you know and just see how you can cope with them and for how long but what we're trying to figure out here is that if if you're not improving, then these are things that you should be trying if you're not improving so talking about not improving, uh, that was me back last year, so everything was going well, I was eating well, um, but I was my math heart rate, um, I only got slightly faster over. I felt amazing. I was able to run further. I was the fittest I'd felt in years. I'd been really consistent. Everything was going quite well, but my looking back, uh, my math test times were not improving. Um, so yes, I wasn't doing a specific math test. I was just on my long run. I have plenty of flat long sections and I was just Looking at my pace because I know my body really well, so I can really tell if it's feeling good. So my math pace was not coming down, and I didn't think too much of it as I was training for Hawaii last year and things were going well. So you'd put that stuff out of your mind and just go, "Hey, we're just getting through it." And it came down a tiny bit, like went from four minutes to on good days or I was going well. It might be three fifty, not a huge change though. And anyway, later on uh, this year. So months, many months after, um, the race finally hooked up with, uh, got a chat with Phil again. And he clearly pointed out that there was a, there's another big roadblock that we haven't been able to solve by fixing up my diet, by fixing up my training that he said, I'm in that sort of that 5% of, uh, people that he sees that just it's deeper it's something else that just, they can't find easily and fix easily. So, it was, that's what happens when you don't have a good, healthy system and something much bigger is blocking it. Your math test does not get quicker. So I should be able to get much, much quicker at the same heart rate if I'm training at that same heart rate, you know, for many months. So that was what you guys need to look out for a little bit as well. Um, so what I did in 2012 was different in some ways to how I would train uh, if I did it again, if my health allows to make a comeback, but it was also the same in many ways also. Um, so here's a few tips for how to train to perform at your best in an endurance event. Um, because you know, that's what I was doing. And, uh, I can look back now and say, this is what worked and this, this is how I would do the things the same again, for sure. I trained to feel that's what I did back then. Now I would train purely to math. So I would Uh, I watched my heart rate really closely, but all the riding I did, which was most of my hours of training were mostly aerobic back then. I trained solo. So there was no someone pushing me out of my comfort zone. There was no pushing me harder. There was no ego. It was, you know, I rode steady up hills. When I got to the top of the hill, I would... Uh, get back in the aero bar straight away and just keep that same sort of momentum, that same effort all the time. It wasn't like I was doing an effort up the hill and then needed a rest at the top. I rode, you know, five hours of hills and kept everything pretty constant and steady. And that was, I was really focused as well on the downhills. So there was no rest on the downhills. There was no, let's take it easy on the downhills and have a rest now that I've done a hard effort before here. Everything was steady. And riding the downhills is something that I remember because it was one of my sort of key things that I was thinking about when I was training was to get better at downhills. You know, I'm sort of one of the smallest guys in the field there in Kona and riding downhills is not my strength. I'm not a big, strong rider. I'm a guy that rides well with momentum. I ride pretty well up hills. Um, I love just flat, smooth roads and just get my legs turning over quickly but I'm not a power guy and I'm not heavier and um, crank a big gear on the downhills. That's not my strength. So I specifically remember working the downhills. And so that in itself was keeping me aerobic for more of the hours out riding than not. So I did that even without a heart rate monitor. I believe I was riding most of my hours at a really good aerobic math or very close to math. Um, Heart rate. It probably was math. You know, I was six, seven years younger back then, so um, yeah, it was a little bit higher. Most of the most of my sessions, I did do on an empty stomach, Um, so I was fat at tating to the first couple of hours of my rides all the time, and then I was just having, you know, a moderate amount. I certainly wasn't having tons and tons in training. Um, I was just having a moderate amount of fuel while I was out on the bike. Having solo, training solo is a huge part of it because when I was tired and my nervous system said we need a rest and I was having fatigue issues, as I said, since I was a teenager. So they were definitely around in 2012. Then I would just take an easy day. One day I sat on the wind trainer and rode at about 160 watts for four hours. Uh, That's about all I could do. I just couldn't physically push harder. Uh, and that's just what I did. So I sat and I watched movies for four hours and then I felt great afterwards. I think I, I went for a 10 K run, um, and felt really good on the run, just aerobic light on my feet. It, it turned out really well, but for whatever reason, my body didn't want a bike ride on that day. And there's a lot of reasons that you know uh, my doctor could probably tell you and go into and about why certain nervous system reactions really affect the nerves through your hips in particular so maybe riding a bike really makes you feel a lot more tired when you're you're closing up your hips more so so you've got to go with it and that's what training on my own did I kept my own hours um, so if I needed another hour or two before I went training then I hung at home for another hour or two in between sessions I'd always have a nap Um, and a big thing that I did back then was I counted everything as a session and my goal was in 2012, three sessions a day. So sleep counted as a session, a nap during the day, a massage counted as a session, doing a good bit of rolling counted as a session, um, getting a massage, other beneficial things like you know sitting on a wind trainer for 45 minutes, doing a really easy spin, that was a session. Um, and that's pretty much what kept me believing that I was doing the right thing for my body, believing that I could go out there and win and perform at my best. Um, because I was just always doing something that I believed was good for my body. Not training with people is much, much easier to control your ego. Um, obviously you can get carried away with ego when you're out there with other people as well. And that is a big problem ego is everything not in the present. It's everything in the future and the past. So it's thinking, oh my gosh, if I if I keep writing, if I keep this average up, if I can get this average higher, then my Strava is going to look amazing. Or, you know, I'm just going to have a really high average when I get home, let alone don't worry about the fact that you started out quite slow. Then you're now killing yourself at the back end to try and get your average really high. Um, and you're not concentrating anything about what you're trying to do in the moment to adapt you to what you're trying to achieve in the end result. And in the past, you're thinking about, well, yesterday I rode this at this pace, so today I should be able to go faster. And just ego gets in the way all the time. Um, And I certainly, training on your own also allows you to have a break when you need it. So a break to break, break any tension that's rising up in the body. Um, I talked about this in the last episode as well, but this could be you know a physical tension that's rising up as much as a anxiety tension. So, well, they're both probably connected. But you're able to take a break whenever you need it, whenever you need to refill your bottles, whenever you need to just give your hips a little bit of movement to free them up and get a bit of blood flow better, just to release a little bit of tension physically and mentally. Training on your own allows you to do that Without having to think, oh, hang on, now I've just I've just got to do an effort now to catch up to the guy in front of me to tell them that I want to stop in the next couple of minutes, or you just keep pushing because you don't want to tell them to stop because then you might feel like you're ruining their session. So, you know, if you're training for a serious race, it it works out best if you just do it on your own. In my experiences, getting to the end of this podcast, I think I've been going a long time now, um, but. I just want to talk about a few other things. Let's talk about perceived energy is key. Do your cells have what they need to be healthy and give you that ability to become energy with powerful, efficient movement? So it doesn't matter how you're getting that energy, when you need it, when you need it in a race, it doesn't matter whether you're getting it from sugars, caffeine, from adrenaline, wherever you're getting it from, use it. Make sure, but your cells have to be in a healthy state in order for you to give, make it into energy. So it's sort of allowing your body, sort of saying, "Hey, the perception of energy, we can do it if we want." But then to do the energy, you've got to be in a great um, biological status. Like everything's got to be healthy. So think about that. Um, the energy will be there when you need it if you've done the right things by your body and kept it healthy throughout all your training. Train your muscles to do what you want them to do. Be specific. Train to become more aerobically and metabolically efficient. Your body works better with two fuels, fat and glucose, Well, let's say ketones and glucose, and your muscles work much better with less, in, got less injuries when they are aerobically adapted, and you have cells full of good nutrients that aren't exhausted from another stress response leaning on them for support. That's about it covered all these other little questions here. Have I covered what I talked about before? Um, yes, I think we're good. A few questions about math, ketosis, math test, overtraining symptoms and preventions. Um, well, overtraining symptoms, you know, Phil Maffetone has written many good books about um, health and performance. And in those books, he covers overtraining symptoms really, really well. The preventions are pretty much the things that I talked about. Too much intensity, um, over too much of a period of time, um, things like heavy, heavy gym work um, is a stress on your body. If you're getting DOMS, a delayed onset muscle soreness, you've gone too hard in the gym. As an endurance athlete, I do not believe there is any place for DOMS. I mean, what's that do? It gives you the next day your session's average. Um, two days later, your session is still average. What's it done? Maybe in major muscles, a little bit bigger. Like who wants to carry extra weight? Do activation, not destruction. Activation you can do in one rep, two rep, three rep, four rep, but you don't need to go to the point of doing 15 reps of something to feel sore, to feel exhausted. Strength is activation, strength is perception. As much as energy is perception, strength is perception also. So, strength is just the muscles, cells, and nerves activating, talking to one another, going, hey, this is what normal is like, you know, if you lift a really heavy weight one day, your nerves wake up, your cells connect and everything goes, this is this is what we can do. The next day you go back that same thing will be a little bit lighter. That's if you've done, you know, like something that was rather heavy. Let's say you did a really heavy leg press that you could barely move. Come back the next day, it's easier to do to move that. You can move it a little bit more. So what's that tell you? That just tells you that Everything is just a perception. My muscles didn't break down and get bigger after not even having a, doing a rep of a heavy leg press. Just holding a heavy weight was enough for my muscles to switch on nerves, neurons, whatever it was that says this, I can, this is heavy, this, or this is what normal is. I've experienced this. So tomorrow it's more accustomed to that experience. I didn't need to get bigger muscles to become stronger in 24 hours. Think about that when you're doing your activation in the gym. You don't need to go to the point of getting sore. Just activate. It's it's very much an ego thing to deal with because you're not going to feel as if you've done much. Other than that, you know, you do a leg press and then hey, you you stand there and do a squat, and the squat is much much easier. But for those that really want to feel the rush of doing a hard session, of sweating, of grinding, of feeling sore the next day, wearing it as a badge of honor. Oh man, I'm so sore from that session I did. That's not beneficial to an endurance athlete. So in my opinion, so think about that as a theory, do activation, not destruction. And then you're going to activate, get some great, um, responses, but your next session, the next day, that afternoon, whatever it is, is going to feel fantastic. So that definitely wraps us up now. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Your Own Fit podcast episode four. Please check us out on Instagram at Live Your Own Fit. Uh, my Instagram is Pete J Jacobs. Um, we're also there on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter. And find us anywhere. Send us an email. Let us know what you want to hear about in future episodes. Give me some questions and comments from this one. Surely that's opened up a few different aspects of something for people out there. Let me know what your theories are. Let me know what else you want me to discuss. This is, uh, you know, I want to open up the conversation. Please uh, give me some reviews and ratings wherever you're listening to this podcast and have a great day.